Hello and welcome to the Film Raw here on Bunkers in the UK. This is the place for all your movie news and reviews. I'm one of your hosts, Ian Bolton, and I am joined by my fellow cinephile. It is Christian R. Allen. Hello, Christian. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm I'm very excited about talking Sonic. Ooh, I know, I know, I know you've been quite excited about talking about Sonic. I'm a little bit of a fan. Oh, hard to notice. Hard to notice. <laughs> are you wearing are you wearing Sonic sneakers? Uh I'm wearing everything uh in terms of Sonic the Hedgehog paraphernalia. I'm wearing Sonic sneakers, uh blue lycra suit, um, my official Sonic the Hedgehog underwear. Mm-hmm. And um those annoying blue hats that people who think they're really cool but aren't really cool wear on the you know, their YouTube videos they talk about how they hate everything but Sonic the Hedgehog. Ah, okay. You know so, the ones I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think I do. I think I do. But uh, yes, how, describe your describe your week in a cinematic way. In a cinematic way, uh, yeah. I would probably say my week was a Dutch angle. Ooh, slightly at a different angle. Yeah, slightly, slightly off slightly, angle. Yeah. Slightly slanted. Yeah, Terry Gilliam staring at me from behind the camera, which is always unnerving. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. For for me, I would say, <laughs> hmm, where where ooh. I think uh, I wouldn't say it's David Lynch. I mean, it's been a normal, it's been it's been a normal. It's been kind of like a normal. Maybe it's kind of like a Paul Greengrass sort of way, where it's just basically real life and things happen, and the camera shakes a lot. Ian, you are perpetually in a Michael Bay movie because <laughs> everything is awesome, and they must explode with awesome explosions. And Kaboom. nothing makes sense. Nothing about you makes sense. No, no, but yet I'm still here. And everything <laughs> about you is indistinguishable. Ah, lovely. That's the way cinematic life should be here on Film Raw. <laughs> but uh, yes, let's kick off straight away into our new section, which is coming attractions. And uh, I think there's only one place we can really talk about is uh, is the new Bond theme from Ooh. Billie Eilish. No yes. Time to Die came out midnight UK Valentine's Day. Uh, it's on course at time of recording to go to UK number one, which will be the only the second Bond theme out of yes. the entire canon. Out of the entire canon, it will only be the second Bond theme to get to number one. Crazy, isn't it? If you think of all the classic ones, yeah, the sixties in particular, you know, the Gold um, Goldfinger barely scratched the charts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Skyfall got to number two along yep. with Living Daylights. Uh, not Living mm-hmm. Daylights, sorry. Um, the oh, Duran Duran. View to a kill. Thank you, A View to a Kill. That got to number two. However, in the US, View to a Kill did get to number one. Oh, on the billboard? Yeah, on the billboard. Ah, I didn't know that. There you go. But yeah, it's it's very weird. I think back in the day, I don't think many people kind of thought about uh, the music scene for Bond. It was just kind of like, here's a theme. Oh, it's quite nice. It's quite cool. Would you go into charts? Nah, I wouldn't buy it as a single. <laughs> that well, sort of thing. Definitely, but, definitely if it's Lulu. But yet I always buy this compilation CDs when a new one comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure you have that, you, you know they release them as singles. So you could just keep buying the singles yeah. on top of your like up to die another day CD. I don't know. But um, but when they released uh, Skyfall, they did the best of Bond. It was like a two disc edition, and basically on one disc you had all the main themes, and yeah. then on the second disc you would have um, the supplementary themes. So like uh, for example, uh, Katie Lang's Surrender, which is by far the more superior Tomorrow Never Dies song. Sorry, Cheryl Crow. Um, <laughs> that's on there. Uh, you have a couple of the tracks from The Pretenders, like If There Was a Man, that sort of thing, and some of the more instrumental pieces as well. So it was kind of like, oh, this is a nice set. I like this set a lot. But um, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about No Time Tonight. Now, I listened to this like the moment it came out, midnight, mm. and I kind of sat there and I kind of went, 
uh, I guess I guess this is all right. Oh, and really? and and to be honest, I haven't. And uh, since that day, uh, I haven't stopped listening to it since because <laughs> <laughs> it's bas- basically it's one of the tracks I listen to on my way to work, and I just keep listening to it constantly, constantly. And I'm just kind of, I think because when I'm thinking about what the film, the, the current setting for the film is, and the current idea of the lyrics and so forth. It kind of makes me feel I really want to see this film and I really want to see this song against the titles now because yes. I really, really like this song. Well, that was, that was actually my first one. When I heard Skyfall mm. um, from Adele, which, which blew me away, the, my mm. very first thought was, my God, what are the visuals going to be to this? Yeah. Um, it's the same, well, I, I, I absolutely adore the opening to Casino Royale. Oh, yeah, Chris um, Cornell. With, with um, Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the visuals work as a treat. But no, I... I I immediately after hearing this song, I was just I was blown away because I'm a fan of Billy Eilish, and mm. this sounds nothing like anything she's done, but it sounds absolutely what she would do with a Bond theme, and it's so, it's it, it feels like it's bridging between the old and the new so well. Yeah, and also just to put out, I'm a massive fan of the Smiths, and the guitar work was by Johnny Marr, the guitarist mm-hmm. of the, and co-writer of the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Um, which so he might actually have his first number one single now because the Smiths <laughs> never got to number one, much to Morrissey's disdain in his autobiography. He mentions the fact that they never got to number one in the singles chart. Virtually every bloody page in that book. Uh, um, <laughs> now the yeah. um, now um, we're recording this like the day after the Baftas performance. So basically, the first time uh, Billy performed the song, the first time, and yeah. again, it's like the crowd were really into it. And I think the thing that really struck me. There are two things that really struck me with with the song uh, and, and the performance. One, um, to anyone who says Billie Eilish cannot sing, needs to go and reevaluate yeah, that, that because that, that, that high that, note, that last note is just absolutely perfect. It's goosebumps. It's so it's goosebumps. good. Yes. And uh, the second thing I liked about that Bafta's performance, you had Hans Zimmer there, who's doing the score to the film, there conducting the orchestra and really getting into it as well. You could see him just nod his head and going, yes, I'm no time to dying. Yes, I am. <laughs> and so there are, part, there are parts of me sometimes that just kind of, when I've been listening to the song and I, and I finish, I get out of the car and I, I just somehow go into a bizarre accent, like a Yorkshire one. It's like, it's like, it's like fool me once, fool me twice, are you deaf or paradise? There's no time to die, Bond. There's just no time to die. <laughs> Now I want you to do that with my face. I, I, I just mentioned I I love Skyfall, but the the word crumble just sounds like apple crumble to me. When it crumbles, crumble, crumble is what is the only way I can do it when I sing that song. So I don't know in, why. so in terms of Daniel Craig Bond themes, where does yes. this rank? It's difficult because I I. I like them all with the exception of the Jack White, Alicia Keys track. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. the songs. I like the song. It just doesn't feel right for that film. Mm. Um, it doesn't it's, feel right as a Bond song. It's very interesting when you look at like the first two of Craig's, like Casino Royale and, Nota, and uh, Another yeah. uh, Another Way to Die. Um, not the film, the song title. Um, they have very like a rock influence, but the moment they kick into like... Skyfall, which is which came out during the 50th anniversary of Bond, mm. it was kind of like, nope, we're gonna go back to like Shirley Bassey roots. I think, I think looking back and kind of looking at how the songs and the visuals, uh, when I listened to um, "Right into the Wall" by Sam Smith, again, the the only other Bond film uh, tune that's actually got to number one in the in the in the uh, yes, charts. Yes. Um, when I think I listened to it, I was kind of like, I like this, but I don't see how this is going to work with the film. And yeah. I think, and I think 
that was the problem song. I think that's why some people don't like that song. Whereas I can listen to the No Time to Die tune and I can go, I can I can guess where they're going to take the character of Bond. Basically, from the lyrics, it looks like something's gone wrong with his relationship with Madeline Swan at the end of Spectre. Are you, and, are you, about uh, to, are you suggesting that James Bond has a problem with relationships and possibly. women? Or, or he maybe he's been lied to again. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Shock. no. Oh, yeah. It's like little bits. And and that's how it kind of... And I think that's why it works. It's because I'm kind of thinking about what it's, I'm about to it's, expect. It's telling the story. Yeah. Um, and, that, yeah, I, I think you've... I think you're spot on there. Um, I think that's one of the again one of the problems with the Sam Smith song. I I really like that song, and I I mm. like the opening sequence for Spectre. Oh yeah, totally. I, I, I'm a lovely. Spectre apologist. I think it's brilliant, but I, I'm a, I'm aware that not everyone shares that opinion with me. Um, but the song doesn't really. If it wasn't for the orchestral um, orchestral embellishments, I wouldn't really feel it was a James Bond theme. Yeah. It's kind of like how it starts off, and you kind of go, "Oh yes, it's like a Bond film, a Bond film uh, song," and then it's when it goes into uh, I can't remember the lyrics off the top of my head, but it goes into that first high bit just before <laughs> the it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 like that, yeah, yeah. that little bit. And I'm just kind of go, "This <laughs> is a bit weird." Ladies and gentlemen, uh, our listeners, I apologise for both me and Ian's attempt to sing in a Sam Smith falsetto. No, we we can't do that, and no, we, no. we we appreciate the work that Sam Smith has done in that song. <laughs> Oscar <laughs> winner Sam Smith, by the way. Yes, <laughs> but but not the first gay person to win an Oscar as he accidentally thought he had. Yeah, that was that was a bit cringy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, do you know one of the fascinating things I kind of found out with when um, uh, Billie Eilish and her brother Finnis was doing all the interviews about the song. Yeah, um, it's basically uh, the person who had the final approval is Daniel Craig. Really? So basically, if Daniel Craig didn't like the song, you didn't get the gig. That's interesting because obviously and he's he's um he's brought up, uh, brought aboard um Phoebe Waller Bridge. Mm. Um, if you haven't had a chance to start seeing any of her work, um, she's the star and writer of Fleabag, and she also mm. wrote the adaptation of uh, Killing Eve. I do mm. thoroughly recommend both those series. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's very interesting with Craig's tenure as Bond. I think he I think he's had more of a say in terms of what happens with the Bond films rather than the previous actors because no, it's like everything kind of has like a more prestige touch to it. So that's how yeah. you've got people like Sam Mendes came in and did two directing gigs for Bond. He did Skyfall and mm. Spectre. That's probably why you've got Adele and that's probably why you've had Sam Smith and, and, and probably why there's been this sort of longer gap between Bond films is because I think Daniel Craig, yes, I think Daniel Craig's been on record about not being best pleased about having to keep doing the Bond films. I, I, th- I think he said... I'd rather kill myself than do another Bond slash, film. Uh, slash his wrists. Oh, slash think, his wrists, yeah. But that, that, was the, that was probably asked him, like, two days after he finished doing all the press tour for, like, <laughs> for like Spectre. And to be honest, it's like, do you want to go straight out of one Bond film and straight into another without a break? I'm, I, I, it's probably worth it. Think, I think he was trying to share, basically, he's tired, he wants a break before he carries on. I mean that that's my biggest criticism of the Roger Moore era is it's mm. just endless it's just like, <laughs> it's like I, wasn't, I wasn't even alive during this time and I I, I have a marathon yeah it's like there's too much next just year cut. next year Roger Moore as Bond in Roger Moore 2 hello next year Roger Moore again as James Bond in Roger Moore goes to the shops hello I'd like a pint of milk please <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad impersonation, actually. Oh, I'm, I'm the Roger Moore. Hello. Hi, I'm Sean Connery. Ah, oh, Sean Connery, I've got a hand to your cue. 
no, no, no. We're about to descend into bomb oh, impersonations, no, no, no. and just, that. Let me just get it. Let me get it on my system. Um, Arisha, walking through my library the other day, and a book fell on my head. I can only blame my shelf. It's like you can't really, you can't really. Oh no, I love George Lazenby's one of this never happened to the other bloke. That's it, okay, <laughs> just because he's Australian. But no, that's the that's the line he says at the I end. I know it's of the, the line, but it doesn't sound like Crocodile Dundee. Well, this didn't happen to the other bloke. He doesn't sound anything like that. It's, it's a perfect, I know. <laughs> it's again, I'm a Lazenby apologist, right? That no, no, is, I, I, he I, is fine as Bond. He was good as Bond. He is I, fine. I need to watch that. I need to watch that documentary, Becoming Bond, which is all about him getting the role. And then him deciding, ah, I don't need to anymore. I've only done one. I'm set for life. <laughs> or I think his, or I think his agent was telling him that he was set for life, so he didn't need to do another Bond film. Because, because at the time, it's like because I think um, on the DVD, and it might be on the Blu-ray. There's a great behind-the-scenes documentary which sort of charts the entire sort of process of getting uh, Lazenby on board to be Bond after Connery and all that sort of stuff. And some of the, like the weird, not necessarily weird, but kind of like differences he did at presses. Like he turned up. It's like he turned up to the premiere with a big bushy beard. <laughs> it's like, hello, I'm Bond. It's like you're big. You're kind of like a hermit. No, yeah, I'm Bond. <laughs> and right, that's it, all it, it was the sixties. Yeah, it was that, the sixties. Really. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's quickly wrap up on No Time to Die. I think we're both in agreement. It's a really good Bond theme. Yep, I can't definitely. wait to I can't wait to see this with the the title sequence. It's like if they nail the title sequence, I will be a very happy boy indeed. <laughs> just 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 out of curiosity, what is your favorite? Um, title sequence because mine uh, mine's a tie between either Casino Royale or Goldeneye. I'm gonna oh now the, now this is I'm gonna go a little bit sad here. Um, I actually yesterday yep. I I brought a stamp collection from Royal Mail featuring the Bond pre-title sequences and basically uh, what nerd. they've done nerd. what they've done what they've done is they've taken the most iconic from each of the Bonds and put them on yep. stamps so with Connery it's Goldfinger Laser Me it's on Majesty's Secret Service More it's Live and Let Die that is his best film by yeah. far uh, Dalton it's Live in Daylights yep. and for Craig it's uh, Casino Royale and uh, presumably Goldeneye for Brosnan oh yeah Goldeneye for Brosnan sorry um, oh Favorite title sequence. I, ooh, I do love because <laughs> I do love you. Know, I do love the Casino Royale one because it's all in the card style and the card yes. patterns and stuff like that. It's so perfect. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Ooh. But there, there, there's some funny bits. It's like in uh, uh, View to a Kill where there's just the random skier just going, "Look at me, I'm skiing," and then hol- <laughs> and then Silhouette Bond pops up and goes, "Laser frozen moves away." <laughs> you, uh, I, wait, I I hate. Though that period in James Bond's history, it's interesting you talk about that could improved quality since Craig took over the role. I mean, like I, I, I have a soft spot for Pierce Brosnan, and mm. I love Goldeneye, but the, the you can tell that those Bond films, the nineties Bond films, are nothing compared to um, everything that's come since Casino yeah. Royale. Yeah, I think it was like Bond, Bond in flux in a way. I mean, I think Brosnan did the best what he could with with the material, but basically yeah, they they were kind of treading water. And I think Dying Another Day was kind of like the nail in the coffin for that style of Bond. Yeah. Especially when I think I think the first Bourne film had come out around that time. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bourne, it's, it's hard to... Uh, it's it's difficult to um, overestimate the um, the impact Jason Bourne, not, not Jason Bourne, but the Bourne identity, I should say, mm. had on action cinema in general and just making look, James Bond look so tired. Yeah. Casino Royale is a response to the Bourne identity. 
Yeah, Born Identity came out 2002. I believe yeah. that's the same year as Die Another Day. Uh, two seconds. Strange, uh, those, two, those are the two big action movies of that year. Uh, Die Another Day, 2002. So, but yeah, I think it came out, uh, Born Identity came out during the summer, Die Another Day came out winter, because usually that's the norm for the Bond films. Apart from this one, No Time to Die, which is going to be uh, Easter, which is interesting. But I think it's mostly because of the delays. But um, yeah. 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 Do, you, do oh. you think it's weird that, that we're talking about chart positions of Bond songs? Mm. Like Die Another Day by Madonna, which is probably the most derided of all the Bond themes. That actually got pretty high. I think it got number three in the charts, actually. It's because it had all the club remixes. Oh, because that's probably what pushed it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna reload my song was was that you Ian or did you just play the track I couldn't tell the difference uh, I, I don't know I think we should leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> but yes you can download buy and stream No Time to Die's uh, theme from Billy Eilish right now we very much like it featuring right, Johnny Marr and, and Hans Zimmer and her brother Phyllis oh Hans Zimmer might have a number one single now as well well, I think it's part of the orchestral arrangement for it, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to Yeah, 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 Hiding out of my garage. They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Supersonic. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. <laughs> Road trip. Woo-hoo! This can't be happening to me. Oh my God, stop the car right what? now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball? We gotta see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah, hey. Right, let's talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, who finally appeared at the cinema after that, um, <laughs> um, shall we say, Nightmare Fuel first design. It was hellish. I, I, I was gutted when I saw that. Now, I know there's been this big arguments about fan entitlement, but mm. I'm sorry. I had every right to bitch and moan about how awful that Sonic looked. Because it, uh, it wasn't Sonic the Hedgehog. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it wasn't. And I, I think... And I think this kind of goes back to the whole world of video game movie adaptations because it, it never has really had a true glory on its big screen. So I will you say, look- Super Mario Bros., the way they realised the Goombas was a work of genius. That's okay. Just, uh... <laughs> okay. I remember seeing that when I was young and I just went, what? But, but, but I, can, I, can, I can reel off a lot of video games that have turned into movies and they've not necessarily worked or they've failed spectacularly. You've got Street Fighter, you've got Resident Evil, you've God. got... Dead or Alive, you've got Doom, both the rock version and this strange straight-to-DVD version that's just come out recently. Uh, Assassin's Creed, Hitman, twice. Tomb Raider, three times. Angry uh, <laughs> Birds, uh, Rampage. There, there's so many video game movies that have attempted, and we haven't even touched the U-Bowl ones, but we'll, we'll leave those to the side because they were all terrible. Um, <laughs> Hang on, Rampage was a video game adaptation? Yeah, yeah, an old arcade machine. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Midway, Midway. Oh. Arcade oh. cabinet from the 80s, I think. Oh. 
Yeah. The more, the more you, know. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think I think everything started turning around when Detective Pikachu came out last year because, I mean, a lot of people were kind of going, yeah, it looks all right, but it, it probably won't be that good. But actually, it was, was actually quite a good film. It captured the heart of the game, and it was a lot of fun too. Yeah. And I well, think... That's us all we kind of really want, really. I mean, uh, yeah. it's... I, I do feel some i do feel like critics in general are a bit harsher towards video game adaptations than they would if they weren't if if they're the same story but they hadn't been based on a video game they'd probably get an easier ride yeah i i don't know if that's just some deep snobbery but i'm not i'm not here defending the quality of video game adaptations because i you know the list you just rolled off is objectively terrible yeah i mean um i actually I, i think the first the, the Angelina Jolie um, Tomb Raider films, they're fine. They're not too bad. They're not too they're bad. Decent, and, and but to they've honest, got... If you're drunk enough, Super Mario Bros. is good. You just and... have to ignore the fact that it is a remake of Blade Runner set in the Mushroom Kingdom for kids. <laughs> well, why not? For kids. Um, and I think you look at that list and you just kind of go, Street Fighter, it came out, it didn't get good many good reviews. Oh, no, that, but, is, but... that is a trash fire. But it basically, it's it it's it's achieved cult status. It's achieved cult status mostly because of all the memes of M Bison played by the late Royal Julia. He is uh, brilliant in the role, to be fair. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it, it's a shame. It's a shame we <laughs> couldn't have more of him in it, or we couldn't have more of him after because obviously sadly he died afterwards. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you, we come to Sonic, and obviously we have the first trailer, the nightmarish design. Um. I have to admit, it does I think for a big Hollywood studio like Paramount, it probably took a lot of guts to turn around and say you know what we really should redo this well yeah i mean there's been a a lot of franchises a lot of uh huge ops have dropped over the last couple years and elements of fandoms associated with those particular properties have voiced their displeasure um you, you can look at star trek you can look at doctor who you can look at star wars i mean like last jedi is a, a obvious example of that and yeah. it's and the usual response seems for the studios to dig their heels in and almost attack these elements of the fan base accusing yeah. them of being um toxic mm. um all, <laughs> all those franchises i mentioned are clearly having a decline in their uh their take-home profit Sonic the Hedgehog has bucked the trend at their own cost, at Paramount's cost, and produced a film that the fans wanted and moaned for, and it looks like they've gone out and spent their hard-earned cash on tickets to see this movie because it's looked to be it's, it already is the biggest selling video game adaptation in box office history. Yep, a hundred million dollars worldwide in its opening weekend mad that's i I couldn't believe that (laughs) i mean i i I, even before the original trailer dropped and i I heard about the movie and bear in mind i am a huge sonic fan i thought yeah "Eh, probably make about 30 40 million dollars i mean it'd be like basically it's lucky half the time with these films it's lucky if it's making its money back it's probably going to make more than that and i think because it's also been half term week in the uk um during time recording so hopefully the box office is kind of bumped up but then again a lot a lot of us grew up with sonic i grew up with sonic you grew up with sonic yes. um a lot of a lot of us sort of 30 or 25 to 30 year olds we all grew up with sonic well, in yeah, our own it, way it, Whether, if you're a millennial you you were either mario or sonic yeah absolutely and, i mean those those the sega nintendo war was great fun as a kid and, um and i think 
and I think it's a credit to the film that they well, first of all, it was a decision to re to absolutely redesign it was absolutely spot on because yep. I think I think if it came out as it was, I think all we'd be doing now is talking about that design and how bad it is and all that. <laughs> and we and we're actually not really and we and it would be it would be dead on arrival. It's yeah. that it's that serious of a change that that film has managed to overcome. In terms of the film itself, I think it's not necessarily an amazing film, but you know what? It has its heart's in the right place and it does all the little it does the nods appropriately to the fan base. And yeah. I think with a video game movie that's the best you could probably have hoped for with this film. Yeah, well, that's the thing. My, my expectations weren't high to begin with because, mm. I mean, a, another problem of, unlike a lot of modern computer video games, which obviously have quite immersive storylines, what the hell is the plot to Sonic the Hedgehog? He's a hedgehog. <laughs> he goes fast. He, he goes, goes fast. Clex rings, <laughs> stops the evil um, Eggman from kidnapping animals and turning them into robots. That is yeah. it. So how do you adapt something with such a small plot? Um, it's a, in an odd way the film has captured the spirit of the games really mm. well um, especially the opening sequence in what is obviously the computer game world yeah the loop-de-loops the, I mean all the easter eggs like littered throughout those scenes which is an absolute delight yeah um, and the, the character redesign has paid dividends because Sonic is just really adorable yeah. And um, yeah, and there's a real wholesomeness to the movie. And in Ben Schwartz's performance as Sonic, it re- he mm. really captures Sonic. This isn't an obnoxious attitude kind of Sonic I was a bit oh, worried I hate, about. Oh, I hated that type of Sonic, especially when it was like J.L. White doing it for the animations, like yes. the original <laughs> Adventures. It's like, I'm waiting. Oh, it's so annoying. Chili dogs, chili dogs. Get out of my chili dogs. No, that, that was, I, I, lo- I fell in love with the Sonic character again watching this, and you really root for him. Mm. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's the greatest movie in the world, but I don't think it's, it's nowhere near as bad as some people are making out. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of the critics have turned around and said, it's boring stuff like that. Well, I can see where they where they kind of come from. It is kind of like your bare your bare bones kind of hero finds his destiny that sort of yeah, way because you've got. Jo- but the jokes hit. The characters are great. I mean, like I can't. If I was a, if I was myself watching this film as an eight year old, I would be so thrilled and so yeah. entertained. I mean, I, I've got I've got uh, two nieces who are seven and eight, and I, I I'm desperate to take them to see this film with. Mm. Um, I think that because they they haven't grown up with Sonic the Hedgehog, mm. um, which is strange to me because it's again it was such a cultural icon of the early nineties, but mm. obviously the games did decline in quality and yeah. although it's had a little mini revival last few years, it's mm. not, it's kind of it's nowhere near in the same league as say Pokemon or Mario has managed to oh, retain. No. I think there's a Mario movie coming. I think in a couple of years time. I think it's been animated by Illumination. I might be wrong on that. But, I, um, I mean, I would be surprised if that ever happens because Nintendo are very protective of their properties ever mm. since. Ever the since first <laughs> Super Mario Bros. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um, um, I was amazed they allowed a Pokemon movie. I mean, I know it's technically not Nintendo. That's um, the Pokemon Company and Game Freak. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still gobsmacked that happened. Um, mm. But no, no, I, I, I agree with you. It is a, it is a basic bare bones plot. You know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, the good the good thing I will say is um, it makes sense that Sonic is helped by the humans. Yeah. Because my, my first concern, well, well, one of many concerns going into this film is why does Sonic need the James um, Marsden character 
yeah. to help him when he's Sonic the freaking hedgehog. And he <laughs> can like, speed. But it's, it's very much about Sonic is quite in a vulnerable state and is you know, f- finding his feet. Yeah. Uh, literally. quite literally <laughs> literally yeah um, yeah um let's let's move on to probably i think the big highlight of the film yeah and that is jim carrey oh absolutely nailed it spot on yeah. like you couldn't have asked for a better, I, I, ca- better I, casting and speaking I, of speaking of 90s uh sort of retro 90s nostalgia it's it's early 90s jim carrey absolutely yeah and it's it's just it ma- the marriage between that Jim Carrey, that energy, and the Doctor Eggman character is just absolutely perfect. It was just, it was just going back to growing up watching things like The Mask and Ace Ventura when he, yes. when he was back, when he was on screen as Robotnik. It was, it was just he hadn't missed a step at all. <laughs> no, and um, it was quite nice because obviously he he hasn't done that kind of role in a long time, and, and why yeah. why should he? You know, he's 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 developed uh, as a performer. I mean, most noticeably after Eternal Sunshine and The Truman Show. Mm. Um, but no, it was it was great to see that. And again, it would be nice that you know, a new generation of, of of kids will watch this film and get to see the Jim Carrey we we remember and loved. Yeah, um, and I think and I think it's also been a nice credit on like the promotional tours, especially with uh, obviously Swartz has been front and center talking and even appearing on things like Game Grumps and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, also, Carrey's enjoying himself with this as well, and I think that's. I think that shows, especially with the performance. Yeah, it definitely translates. I mean, um, mm. there, there is <laughs> every scene he is in. I mean, he doesn't just chew the scenery; he digests the entire set. Uh, I I couldn't stop smiling, um, and mm. even I, I, I think the audience are very receptive. The the, the audience oh, I saw the film with, they were laughing at everything he did. Mm. Um, no, no, I, it, it, I I tell you what, it was when. I had, when I first heard of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie a couple of years ago, you know, I had all those worries. And when I heard my first thought that this could be okay was when Jim Carrey was announced as Dr. Eggman because that just mm. made sense. And yeah, it totally works. Yeah. Um, I just, oh, it's, just, it's just like the little the mixes. It's like when he just does suddenly loud shouting and all that sort of stuff. It's like the bit where he's doing a big dance in, 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 his, tra- in his sort of trailer and his assistant comes in and he goes, I thought you'd like a goat-skimmed latte. Of course I would like a latte. I love the way you make them. His <laughs> <laughs> side companion is a great little character. Yeah, um, I hope he, I hope he sticks around for the sequels. Oh, yeah, there there will there will be sequels. There's there's a, there's a sequel. There's an absolute sequel coming now. It's Absolutely, been good at the box yeah. office, and the, and the fact is, I'm kind of more excited now that the fact is a sequel is going to be coming, and the way they set up a sequel is really fun. It is, it is, and uh, I tell you what, I get it. if this, I'm happy to take what is a I'd, I'd say this is a above average Sonic movie that is a lot better than I was expecting. Not a masterpiece, mm. but it's definitely it could be a springboard for a, a, you know, a great franchise here. Yeah. I mean, like now we've gotten gotten past the whole the hero Origin. becomes the hero, you know, the hero's journey shtick. Yeah. Um we could actually probably you know, if we have Sonic 2 in the next couple of years, we can have yeah. a lot more fun. I think if they I think if they tidied up some of the some of the hit and miss jokes cuz yeah. most of the jokes hit nicely. It's just sometimes when they just go, wouldn't it be funny if this was a thing? I was like yeah, well, make it make it that thing then. Don't tell me it'll be funny. It'll be like the weird. Show don't tell. The weirdest, the weirdest thing that really put me off some of the humor was the Olive Garden stuff. I guess that's quite an American. 
Yeah, it's like an American restaurant, but it's like there's like characters are really kind of into Olive Garden. It's like, well, they've got their bottomless pasta dish. It's like, are you literally being paid by the mention? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't not... be surprised. I mean, I mean yeah, it's... I mean, it, it, like I say, it, I, 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 this is not going to win an Oscar. No, um, not at all. But it's 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 not <laughs> it's not the best film in the world. It's not the worst film in the world. It's a fun, family friendly piece of entertainment that's generally quite generally quite amusing. Generally quite exciting at times. Some of the action sequences yeah. are brilliant. Oh yeah, um, and it is, it is a delight to see Sonic the Hedgehog run at that speed. Mm. I think I think all things considered, ever since the, the the Nightmare first look came out, I think this is the best outcome. I think anyone could have hoped for with and uh, with Para- Sonic. Paramount must be just laughing so hard right now that they basically pinched this from Sony because they had no faith in the project whatsoever. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they this was uh, Sony dropped the project and Paramount picked it up. Really? <laughs> yes. So I imagine Sony are kicking themselves right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a star rating. Uh, I I would give this three. Uh, yep, I'll give it three stars as well. There we go. Three stars. No, no, no. no. Three chaos emeralds. Three chaos emeralds. Not exactly the full seven. Or was it six? Is it, it seven it, or six? It's six in the first Sonic game. But you need seven to become supersonic. Not exactly seven chaos emeralds. But we're halfway there, almost. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog is spin-dashing in cinemas right now, and you can read my review over at bunkzilla.co.uk, right? I like, I like the way you said spin-dashing, then. Ah, it's a yeah. pun. Puns, I'm full of them. Right, let's move on. We've got about another probably 15 minutes left. Let's move on to a little extra bits and pieces that we've been watching during the last episode since um, the Bad Boys episode. Um, I think we've had quite a bit of a heavy load of films, uh, probably some that are heavier than Sonic the Hedgehog, to be honest. Um, a little bit. Yeah. little bit, little bit. Uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching this, and I'm like, what the f- are these guys wearing? Look, it's on the tour there. It's everywhere, right? Where do these guys get precious black opals? That's what that is. The black opals? I do my research. These guys live near the whalo mines, which primarily is red opals, which aren't worth okay? Oh, okay. But these, these mm. yeah, you can't get your hands on these things, you understand? Really? So look, I say to myself, how do I get a hold of these guys? And I managed to track these guys down. I buy one from them. Holy Oh, which is kind of like the... It's I, like I have not been this stressed watching a movie in quite a while. Uh, last same. time I was this stressed watching a movie was uh, Clint Eastwood's Changeling, um, which I, I, I take it you've seen, Angelou. I've, seen, I, I've seen Changeling. Uh, I didn't rec- rec- remember it being that stressful. Was it stressful because of how the film was going or just because you were engrossed in the storyline? Oh, the storyline. It was, it was intentional, okay. uh, as with Uncut Gems. I mean, it, it's intentionally... Um, anxiety inducing yeah uh, so um so for those listening uncut gems is a netflix film uh, starring adam sandler uh he of comedy now doing something serious similar to punch Dog glove um and straighted by the safety brother uh, safety bro i can't pronounce their surname it's safety, isn't it? safety brothers uh directed by the safety brothers and basically uh sandler plays uh, a jeweler who's trying to to get that big score to kind of help clear his gambling debts but things just keep getting worse and even when <laughs> things are getting better he does something stupid that i had to literally shout in the order in my home no yep. why are you doing this yep I, I i i think i paused it five times and made 
<laughs> five cups of tea just to sort of compose myself. Um, oh, the, I the, think the I... person I was watching the film with originally they tapped out thirty minutes in because they just found the character too stressful. Uh, there's a little. It's like bits like, oh, why don't you just, uh, why don't you just bet, uh, bid for me at the auction house? It's like, no, because <laughs> we but know how it, this but, is going to end. <laughs> but isn't it testament to Adam Sandler's performance that you still root and like this? Yeah. genuinely despicable character yeah. like this this person on some levels his character has everything he has a beautiful wife beautiful children beautiful home you know he's a successful jeweler um you know with a, a, a huge client base yeah. um and it's not enough for him it's just it has yeah. to it's just it has to you know has to have um you know has to have uh has to have the mistress. Has to have the the gambling, the debt spiraling out of control. You know, he's, he's going to have deep in the shark with the sharks. Um, oh. It's it's so frustrating. But at no point do you want him to fail. Yeah. Even though it's it's a failure of his own moronic creation. Yeah. It's it's like it's just the the small bits, small decisions that you make for out, and you just have those going. Why has he done this? He's going to, it's going to bite him on the arse. Well, I mean, if he was sensible, the film would finish around about 20 minutes in. So it's, it's like, here is all your money, Adam Sandler. Great. I think I will stop. <laughs> I, I will <laughs> cut that bit because I, there was a. I, t- I tell you a, what, like, another in, more praise for his performance. I forgot I was watching Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's just a, it's a weird thing to say, but yeah, you kind of you want to be engrossed in the performance, don't you? I think he's I think he's re-signed with Netflix to do more films with them, and if we get at least one every create silly comedy, which, which is like Uncut Gems, I'm happy. It's a good film. It's stressful. I'm not sure if I really want to see it again. That's that's kind I don't of no. I I feel like I I do want to give it a few more. I might give it another watch because I mean there is. There's a lot to take in. I mean, it's it's a very yeah. interesting piece. Yeah, um, it doesn't it doesn't try and explain it doesn't explain some of it. Basically, you you are thrown straight into oh, Sandler's yeah. world, and basically, it's kind of go. He's this is how this is how he's doing things. He's doing that, and then he's going to take the jewels over here and do that, and all and all that sort of it. It's it, basically, it, it did take me a, f- a little while to sort of sink in with the dialogue. Yeah, it is yeah. everyone shouting over each other. Oh yeah, oh it, yeah, it, it definitely it's, it definitely feels authentic to this culture i mean um yeah i had no idea about this this part play um this part of new york and its history yeah. and it was it was, a, it was very enlightening um just not not my world so uh film rating uh out of five i would i would give it a four four stars yeah i think four four is fairly solid i, mean, I think yeah. yeah yeah it's a really good performance by sandler um yeah it's it's stressful but still so engaging at the same time and engrossing so it, so it's kind of like that kind of works. I mean, if you're if you're still shouting at the screen, you're really invested in this whole sort of <laughs> journey. So with that, I, if you, I, I just one last little point actually, um, Julia Fox um, plays um, Adam Sandler's um, girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, mistress is probably the more appropriate word. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is actually her debut role, and she's brilliant in it. She's um, mm. she's really her, her character is really interesting in itself. Um, because like your first thought is uh, is is she using Adam Sandler because she yeah. sees him as, as like the loser he is, mm. but um, no, it's actually a real there's a real warmth in their relationship that comes across. In in, in, in I don't know, it was a tricky one. The relationship could have been ve- a lot seedier than it was. Yeah, it came across as very warm, and um, mm. yeah, it actually helps helps you to engage with the story a lot more. 
Yeah. So Uncut Gems, if you're willing to go through the stress of it all, it's on Netflix now. Four stars from us. You'll need a cup uh, of tea. And a cup of, cup of tea. It's biscuits. Yep. Cup of tea and some biscuits. Rich tea biscuits. They're all digestives. Or maybe some hobnobs. Maybe hobnobs. Hobnobs. Anything else on your plate of films that you watched this week? Uh, yeah, I watched um, Satoshi Kon's um, Perfect Blue for the first time. Ah, one of the inspirations of Black Swan. Uh, yeah, apparently um, Aronofsky's a huge fan of Kon's work anyway. I think uh, he tried. I, I think Aronofsky tried to make a live-action um, version of Perfect Blue, but it just it never kind of. There I think is, it, there mani- a, it manifested. There is a shot-for-shot shot remake of a scene in um, uh, Requiem for a Dream, I believe. Mm. Okay. Um, but it was, you could you could definitely tell the influence there. But um, oh yeah, no, absolutely. My, um, I, I've seen his his other works, and I'm a huge fan of Paprika. Um, but th- this blew me uh, this blew me away. I wish I'd seen this. Uh, a lot earlier to be honest i think it's one of the best anime features i've ever seen mm. um I, I absolutely loved it and I, I it's disturbing it's not an easy film at all no it's about obsession and celebrity but yes it's about uh, this this um uh, um uh she's a j-pop star mm-hmm. who wants to who retires from her band to pursue a career in acting mm-hmm. um and one of the more stalkery fans of the band just decides that they are a traitor and has to go around on a murderous rampage to make <laughs> to help protect her image and return her back to the band and it is deeply uncomfortable at times i mean it's, it's mm. not an easy film at all but it is it's absolutely worthwhile if you can uh if you could uh, if you've got the stomach for that kind of film mm-hmm uh, I presume you've seen it before. I've I've seen it years and years ago. I think I have it on Blu-ray, uh, the Anime Limited release Blu-ray. Oh, they've they've um, just re-released it last year um, with a brand new transfer. Yeah, 4K transfer as well. Yeah. Um, so all oh, that might mean it might be available on iTunes in 4K. Ooh. Because I know they've done that for certain films. It's like Old Boys had a 4K uh, remaster. And I've got the Blu-ray remaster, but I haven't got the 4K version, which might be on iTunes. Anyway, that's me detracting. Um, <laughs> Um, but no, I, I remember seeing Perfect Blue. I think I saw it at a time when I didn't necessarily... It's like I had a period when I was watching films and I was kind of like, I watched it because they were, they, they, they were big, big-named films to kind of see when you were kind of like students. Well, it, it was the first film Manga UK distributed. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if it had the Manga logo on, you, you tended to gravitate to those films yeah. back in the, at that time. Well, I think... I think I was, I mean, I was, I was old enough to see the film at the time, but I think I just wasn't. I think I wasn't ready to kind of understand the themes and so forth. Yeah. I think that that's the thing, and I think, and I and I've had that with Tarantino films, for example, where I watched it when I was young, and I just kind of go, "Ah, oh, this is just a pulpy kind of film." And I go back and rewatch, and I go, "Oh, there's stuff I haven't realised here before." It's brilliant revisiting films you didn't get as a mm. teenager. I, I rewatched. Um, Lost in Translation for the first time since I was sixteen. I watched it as a sixteen-year-old, mm. and I didn't understand it at all i was bored out of my mind watched it as a 30 year old um and i just immediately i was like oh i'm i'm in love with this film and now it's mm. probably in my top 10 um <laughs> you know it's it's amazing how maturing as a human being and having more life experience can actually enhance your cinematic experience mm. Mm. yes so films so what we're saying you... is paprika shouldn't be watched if you're 10 11 yeah no i i saw paprika uh, 35 mil or uh, anime all nighter oh, really? in London, and I think out of all the films, I think it was the one that got the most engagement from the audience. I think we were watching like two, three a.m. in the morning at that time. 
yeah, if anyone's listening to this who haven't seen Paprika, please do. I mean, it's, without Paprika, there wouldn't be an Inception. Mm. And uh, and the sound the soundtrack itself is a oh, Superman is soundtrack is divine. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I believe it's it was the first soundtrack composed with Vocaloids. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! This is the parade song in particular. In fact, don't bother watching the film. Just go on Spotify, search "Parade" from Paprika, listen to it. It's one of the most incredible pieces of electronic music to ever come out of Japan. Oh, it's 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 when that music hits and you have the big parade that actually accompanies. Where it's like, it's the parade! Oh, come that, on! Those, those scenes are hypnotic. I mean, the, yeah, the detail is stunning, and it's just heartbreaking that uh, Satoshi Kon um, died as young as he did. Mm. Um, I believe there is work that they, they, uh, there is work to finish his last film, Dreaming Machine. Studio Madhouse are trying to fund the completion of Dreaming okay. Machine, um, but th- I, I don't know how successful this has been because obviously he, he, um, uh, Con passed away ten years ago now. Really? Yeah, August twenty fourth, two thousand and ten. <sighs> I thought it was like five or six. Yeah, I've never I've never watched um, Paranoia Agent. I, I've never really felt drawn to Paranoia Agent. That's just me, I suppose. I mean, with uh, Satoshi Kon films, it's kind of like, oh, I'm interested, or mm. <laughs> so there was there was something just kind of I don't know, something kind of off putting about Paranoia Agent. I might it, be wrong. It, it is that. quite ultra violent, from what I understand. Yeah, I wasn't. It's not like I was bored by. The, it's just there was something about the probably something about the look and how like the because see trailers, which is just the opening sequence. I just kind of went. Mm. I mean, it is a tad surreal. Yeah, of the, all the smiling figures and the uh, Hirasawa score. Um, yeah. I I will say this: you know, every every Christmas there's an argument about what is the best Christmas movie, and I think Tokyo Godfathers should be in the conversation. Ah, okay. Uh, have you seen Tokyo Godfathers? I haven't, but I think there's a remaster coming. Or is it? No, it's Millennium Actress that's having the remaster very shortly. Oh, is it? Who's distributing yeah. it? Uh, I think it might be Anime Limited. They can. How much? How much of our money have they taken over the last two, three years? I don't know. Too much. Let, um, there is a 4K remaster of Millennium Actress uh, debuting at the Glasgow Film Festival on the second of March this year. Ooh. So fingers crossed, it might be coming out very, very soon Excellent. in a nice shiny box. That'd so nice. yes, but yes, um, so I, good. That, that was uh, <laughs> those were my random films of the week. Um, any other films awful. you've seen this week? Uh, no, but tomorrow I'm off to see an NT live cinema performance. Ooh. Ooh, I'm seeing the, uh, uh, Cecile de... Oh, I can't pronounce the bloody thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one with James McAvoy. I'm glad you did all the preparation for this podcast. Uh, Cyrille de Bergerac. Oh! Yes. And the way... And I, and I, I didn't know... I don't know much about... I know it's, it's helded as a literary classic... Yep. Um, but the thing that kind of drew me to it was kind of how I think they've set the play, and it's like it's about uh, about someone trying to woo the woman that they love, but it's being done like in kind of rap battle. Oh, no, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not rap. They're not like proper rap battling stuff. Like they haven't taken the they haven't taken the the story or the play or something like that and made it rap battle. But it's just kind of the way they're kind of trying to profess their love. It's like you see these actors kind of shifting back and forth with with microphones, like it is a rap battle. I come in. This is actually quite interesting. And and um and it's James McAvoy as well. And James McAvoy can really do no wrong sometimes. So uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have to stop you there. I thought his Dark Materials was atrocious. 
Well, that's TV, not film. Okay, or that's fair. That's fair. Um, there we I go. believe. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac had a very good um, adaptation in the. I think it was the late nineties, uh, actually, with uh, yeah, Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu and, and his uh, and BFI releasing a remastered Blu-ray in a month's time, I believe. Ah, so tied in, yeah, nice tie in there. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'll be seeing that, and then next Thursday, probably not in time for the uh, no next Wednesday, but still not in time for the next episode of the show. Uh, uh, My Hero Academia: Heroes Rising is at cinemas <laughs> next week. So I have that on my agenda and I really want to see the personal history of David Copperfield. I want to see the film. I'm trying to find a time that suits me and I can't. I haven't <laughs> I haven't been able to watch it at all, which really frustrates me because I'm a huge fan of Amanda Inerchi. Have you, uh, just going off topic into TV, have you seen any of Avenue 5 yet? No, no, I am excited because I mean, like, again, he's, um, I love Amanda and uh, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, I've watched I've watched three episodes. Um, it takes a little bit to get going, okay. but by the end, but by episode three, you're kind of going, "Yep, this 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 is definitely the thick of it." If it was in space, <laughs> that's all I want. That's all yeah. I want. In fact, I would love for the thick of it was in space. The the actual characters that Malcolm Tucker just thrown on like the yeah, International Space Station. Oh dear God! Oh, that'd be atrocious. That'll be diplomatic nightmares galore. I think on that bombshell, I think we should draw to a close there. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film War. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can get in touch with us by sending your comments to contact at bunkerzilla.co.uk. And there's plenty more film reviews and editorials available at bunkerzilla.co.uk. Right, so next week, I, I don't know what we've got on the agenda for next films next time. Uh, I is think, there, uh, what, I'd imagine, uh, I think the next big releases are Into the Wild with oh, Harrison, it's Harrison Ford. Ford and the CGI doggo. Yay! I didn't realise the dog was CGI so you've ruined the film for me now. Um, it, and I yeah. believe we're going to actually have the chance to watch Parasite. Well, I've seen Parasite. You need to watch Parasite. I need to watch Parasite. I haven't had the chance but thankfully my local cinema started rescreening it because uh, I think Parasite did okay at the Oscars. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it got a, I think it did moderately well to nigh on amazing <laughs> at the Oscars. Uh, okay, so next week we're going to be talking about The Call of the Wild and we'll hopefully chat a little bit more about Parasite. Until then, thank you very much for listening. I've been Ian Bolton and I've been joined by Christian R. Allen. Hello. Or goodbye, I should say. Well, yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And on that, we will bid you farewell. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.